From the desolate splendor of Dugway Proving Ground, this is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Hello, I'm Mark Schauer. The test centers within the Army Test and Evaluation Command have supported the U.S. space mission since its inception. Yuma Proving Ground conducted developmental testing of the lunar rover in the 1960s. And in more recent times, the parachute system for the Orion space capsule. Dugway Proving Ground in Utah recently supported the latest superlative in humanity's reach for the stars. The recovery of a sample from an asteroid by NASA's Regolith Explorer. Colonel James Harwell is the commander of Dugway Proving Ground. Colonel, you've been in the Army a long time. Did you ever imagine you'd support such a momentous feat in humanity's exploration of outer space? Oh, absolutely not. And especially, I'm an Army chemical officer. Uh, I've had the opportunity to do some cool stuff, but I never realized what Dugway Proving Ground does. And if we look at it, this isn't even the first time Dugway's had the opportunity to host NASA. Uh, Dugway used to be the alternate landing site for the space shuttle. It never landed here. That doesn't mean we weren't ready. We've had two other other, uh, capsules come back from space. I never imagined that I would be given the opportunity to do some of the coolest stuff uh, that uh, I think is out there. How does Dugway's ordinary mission make it a good location for the OSIRIS landing? Well, I think the first part is that we're the third largest installation in in the United States Army. Uh, Over 800,000 acres, 172 miles of border. Sometimes it's good to be out in the middle of nowhere, okay? We're larger than the state of Rhode Island. Um, And so we get to do things here. We get to uh, we're, we, we're able to do things safely here that you can't do other places. And that, that applies to both our day-to-day mission when we're doing our test and evaluation mission for the Chem Biodefense Program, as well as our uh, mission to support things like NASA, where you need a, a, a large area so that you can safely land something uh, from space. How much support are Dugway personnel giving to the OSIRIS landing? Well, I'm going to go beyond that. And just walking through the halls today, you see it's not just what support Dugway's giving, it's what support Army Test and Evaluation Command is giving. We've got folks from Wismer, White Sands Missile Range here. We've got you from Yuma Proving Ground here. Uh, And then we have a good amount of support from Dugway Proving Ground, but we also have our sister site, the Utah Test and Training Range, which is run by the Air Force, the actual host of the, uh, of the, the, uh, landing um, that are supporting this this effort. So this is a, this is a huge undertaking for Dugway Proving Ground, but it is a team effort that goes well beyond Dugway's borders. Has having Osiris land here interfered with Dugway's normal battle rhythm? Has it interfered with our battle rhythm? Well, I mean, we're working on the weekend. We normally work Monday through Thursday. So I think if you ask members of our workforce, they'll say yes. Um, Has it been a a detriment to our test and evaluation mission? Absolutely not. Um, Right now we have test and evaluation going on outside, out in the ranges. Uh, Some of our test events will 
uh, end on Saturday, and so there's no impact as we're setting up uh, and f to receive the uh, the sample on Sunday. But I, I'm going to go a little bit further than that. We've had opportunities from this event uh, that really have enriched the the lives of our Dugway community. Dugway is a community of purpose. If you work or live on Dugway, you know that everybody else that you come in contact with uh, is here because they support the national defense. There is no town right outside our gates. And so everybody that's here is supports the purpose of delivering capabilities to our warfighters um, through test and evaluation. Well, that means that we've got families that live in our housing area and kids that go to our school who, because of that mission, have the opportunity to interact with astronauts and have the opportunity to say that my hometown received the, the, the OSIRIS-REx samples. You just can't get cooler than that. And when, you're, when we look at things like the space program, I remember growing up, and the thing that turned me towards STEM when I was a kid was uh, always seeing the space shuttle go up in the space shuttle land. And it didn't matter even when bad things happened. We knew that as the United States, we were putting another man in, the, in, in space because there was still something to be explored. There was still something to be learned. And, and we've seen that kind of come back around. I remember a couple years ago during COVID, my son was sitting there having, um, uh, having his lessons online and I had to poke my head into the, the teacher and say to the teacher, hey, I have to pull uh, EJ out because um, the dragon capsule is, uh, is getting ready to take off and I want my son to see the first launch of an American astronaut from the U.S. Uh, from U.S. land since the, the retirement of the, the space shuttle, I want him to see that because when I, what I want is that when he looks to the stars, he dreams and he dreams really big. And so that's what, uh, it, it's, it's not has it detracted from our mission, it's not only has it enhanced our mission as it draws awareness to Dugway Proving Ground as a national treasure, but it's enhanced our community as it, it, it gives them an opportunity to see what is within the realm of the possible. Do you see Dugway supporting future NASA missions? Well, we know that there's going to be the opportunity. Obviously, um, you're, you're looking farther into the future. The fact that Dugway and, and the Utah Test and Training Range is, uh, as uh, two neighboring sites provide all of that land um, makes it an ideal location for, for future efforts. Uh, so I, I don't think it's a a matter of if Dugway will support in the future. I think it's just a matter of when, as NASA looks at the, the right place based on timing and other things. Colonel Harwell, it was really good talking to you today. Thanks for having me. NASA's Osiris Regolith Explorer launched in 2016 and spent nearly two years orbiting and mapping the asteroid Bennu before collecting a sample and returning it to Earth. Bennu is the smallest object ever orbited by a spacecraft, and mission leader Dante Loretta, a planetary scientist at the University of Arizona, was instrumental in Osiris Regolith Explorer's awing technological feat. Doctor, I know the, the Osiris Rex launched in 2016, but how many years in the making was this entire mission? I first got involved in the concept for asteroid sample return in February of 2004. So I'm coming up on my 20 year anniversary. Uh, we spent seven years bidding the concept to NASA and we ultimately won the contract in 2011. So we've been an official NASA program now for 12 years. 
Why did you choose Bennu as, as your target? When we were choosing the target for the OSIRIS-REx mission, the first constraints were engineering driven. For example, we didn't want to get too close to the sun. The spacecraft would overheat or we would need a very expensive thermal control system. We didn't want to get too far away because we were using solar power and we wanted to maintain relatively small solar arrays. And then because we're coming back in as sample return, we couldn't go to something with a high inclination where its orbit is at a very different angle than the Earth's because that means your encounter velocity is too high and the heat shield wouldn't survive. So once we got past all of the engineering, there was only a few hundred asteroids left to choose from. We selected Bennu because it was relatively large, about 1,600 feet across, like a small mountain. And most importantly, it's very dark, reflecting about 4% of the sunlight that hits its surface, which we inferred and have since confirmed with the spacecraft encounter means that it contains abundant carbon, which feeds directly into our primary science goal of understanding the delivery of organic molecules to the early Earth and maybe even gaining insight into the origin of life. OSIRIS-REx orbited the asteroid for two years before it landed? OSIRIS-REx did uh, was in the proximity of Bennu for about two years. The fun thing about microgravity is you can go into orbit, you can leave orbit, you can go back into orbit, unlike Mars or the Earth. So we would stay in orbit. We called that our safe home whenever we needed a place where we knew where the spacecraft was going to be. So the lighting conditions were really terrible from orbit because you're always looking at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. dawn and dusk with long shadows. So we would leave orbit to get the right lighting conditions for good imagery and then return to orbit. But yes, it took us two years of operations to finally command the spacecraft to go down and collect the sample in October of 2020. And this is the smallest object that's ever been orbited by a spacecraft. Yeah, I'm proud to say the mission has set two Guinness World Records. Officially, one is held by asteroid Bennu, which is the smallest object ever orbited by a spacecraft. And one is held by OSIRIS-REx, which achieved the tightest orbit around a celestial body in human history. Why did you choose Dugway Proving Ground as the landing spot for the sample? OSIRIS-REx is building on uh, our past successes. Most importantly, there was a NASA mission called Stardust, which returned comet dust from uh, Comet Vilt 2. And they had used the uh, Utah Test and Training Range as their landing location. It's a great place to come in. It's the largest continuously controlled airspace in the continental United States. They also have fantastic assets for helping us track the capsule as it passes through the atmosphere and finding the location. And overall, it's been a wonderful partnership we're really proud and grateful to our military partners for all the assistance they've given us on this program. Are you satisfied with the support you've gotten from the Dugway folks? We are satisfied with all of the support we received out here, yes, both at Dugway and UTTR, and it's been, it's been wonderful. They're part of the team. One of the things we've always strived with on OSIRIS-REx is that we are one team. I don't care if you're military or your government or your industry or your academia, we're all OSIRIS-REx, and our military partners have embraced that. And even after the sample returns, OSIRIS APEX continues. Yeah, we discovered an amazing opportunity. The spacecraft will just eject a capsule, which kind of looks like a mini version of the capsules that astronauts come back from outer space in. But the rest of the vehicle will still remain in outer space. It has tons of science instruments, cameras, spectrometers, laser altimeters. It's in very healthy shape. And we found a trajectory that gets to another near-Earth asteroid a very famous object named Apophis, which will do an incredibly close approach to our planet in April of 2029. 
And we can use that geometry to get our spacecraft close to the Earth, use the Earth's gravity well to deflect our spacecraft's trajectory to end up rendezvousing with this other target. It's an astounding feat of engineering and science, Doctor. I really appreciate talking with you today. It's been my pleasure, and we're really grateful to be here. As the first U.S. mission to return a sample from an asteroid, there was intense national and international media interest in OSIRIS-REx's landing. Dugway Proving Ground Program Manager Damon Nicholson was instrumental in making the project a success. How did you become associated with this project? Um, I was asked to do this by our West Desert Test Center Command to help out the PAO office. How much planning went into supporting the execution of this entire project? We've been planning this since I've been involved since about June, so probably about three months worth of time. We've had two events up to this point. One of them has been a uh, media day where we invited local media just for um, to get the word out to what, what was going on. And then we also had a dress rehearsal where NASA came out, set up a interim soundstage, went through the whole process of recovery and how that would look from a broadcasting documentation view uh, with media as well. And you've been coordinating with counterparts at the Air Force, with NASA personnel? Correct. Like I said, we're, we're in charge of the communication and broadcasting portion of it, Dugway in particular, with small parts of the coordination, simply because the uh, aircraft assets are taking off out of Michael Army Airfield. How disruptive is all this to the normal operations? Surprisingly, it's been very under the radar, so to speak, simply because we are, from a Dugway point of view, we're just in the hangar and we're not doing a lot of outdoor testing and using a lot of resources that would otherwise be utilized out in the field. Now, even in the event of inclement weather, this rolled no matter what. Why did they do that? It's planned to come down based on trajectories and things like that. And so they know when it is coming. It's going to land whether it's raining or it's sunny that day. I think their next opportunity is many years away in order to get these spacecraft set up in the right orbits and trajectories to have it land on Earth again. Are you impressed with how the DPG personnel put all this together? Made it all Sure, yeah, out? there's been a lot of people that have been involved and we've done some unique things to make it easy access for a lot of people. It's kind of unique on this test because we have one of the things is we have a, a large number of media coming on, which typically when media come to an Army base, an ATEC base that I know of, it's not a place where we're really opening our doors all the time and letting them take pictures and documenting a lot of activity that's going on. Hey, Damon, it was really good talking with you today. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the forefront of Army transformation.